0: else as well. It's good to have everyone out today. Um, I, my voice is a bit gone, uh, which is the bad news. The good news is I won't be able to preach as long. So you got that going for you. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. i got a sinus infection or something. But I pray that God will help me to make it through the lesson. I think I have a good lesson that the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. And so I look forward to sharing it with all of you. If you notice, the lesson is entitled Dull Habit or an Acute Fire, Part Two. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I never heard part one. But that's okay, you're in a good spot, it's okay. Because part two actually is the practical side, telling us how to get from, oh, they're helping me out over there, telling, me how, telling us how to get from uh, Christianity being a dull habit into an acute fire. So really today's sermon is all about growth. It's about spiritual growth, it's about how to grow spiritually. And it's appropriate if you are visiting the church for the first time, or if you have been a disciple for maybe a week or a month, or if you've been a disciple for 10 years, or for a hundred years, um, like some of us seem to, seems that way anyway. Um, but it's an appropriate lesson for all of us because all of us need to grow, right? And none of us can say, well, I'm there. I am, I'm just like Jesus. I've become like God overnight. And I'm complete, I'm finished, it's all done. We all have growth that needs to happen in our lives. And that's really what this lesson is about. Some practical steps, four practical steps actually, of how to go from uh, a dull habit into an acute fire uh, in our spiritual lives. How to become more like Jesus. But before we get there, I wanted to share a couple of pieces of good news from the teaching ministry. I think most of you know that I'm a teacher uh, in our ministries, that's what I do mostly, is uh, help educate ministers, help educate uh, members, and teach theology and Bible in different places. And uh, a couple of bits of good news, I think I shared this last time, but just last month, uh, there were three teachers, the first three teachers in our ministries to be appointed in uh, French West Africa. And so we had them there on the screen, that's Moses God Kalala, and that's uh, Francois, and then that's um, Guy, and they're all in the Ivory Coast. Well, Moses actually is in the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo. Uh, so he's in Kishasha. But uh, they're all great brothers, and for the past five years, I've been training different people in the, in the teaching ministry. And so it's great to see that now we have teachers in French West Africa, but also I wanted to say that This past month, or this month, in the month of June, we had four teachers appointed in uh, East Africa. And so it's incredible now, we've gone from zero teachers a year ago to uh, three in English West Africa, to three in French West Africa, to four in East Africa. Uh, And so it's incredible to see the growth in the teaching ministry uh, in our churches in Africa. And some of that ties in directly to our missions contribution because our mission's contribution does go to support Africa and help with different ministries in Africa, like the teaching ministry. What you have here, William, on your left is William uh, and then uh, Julian and then um, Jaron, and then uh, Richard. Uh, Three of them, three on the left, are uh, in the Nairobi church. Uh, Richard is in um, Uganda and so, uh, these are brothers in East Africa and the teaching ministry is growing in East Africa and that's very exciting. I also wanted to share for a moment about the disciples training camp that we do every year. Uh, Rob Novak and Ed Anton and I uh, for the past six years have gone down to the Philly camp and we've conducted a camp and to train uh, people uh, in the ministry. Usually we have a deep theological course or a deep Bible course and something practical. So we usually teach two courses uh, during this time. And uh, over the years we've taught taught a number of different courses, but the great thing is just to see the growth year by year. Uh, This was our largest camp ever. I think we had around 100 campers there. College students from all over the Eastern Seaboard, uh, including uh, all the way from Ohio and Kentucky came over to be a part of this. And it was an incredible, incredible time together. Uh, there's me teaching uh, on the Holy Spirit. That was one of the lessons that we taught. Really deep lessons on the Holy Spirit. And it's great because these students love not just the practicals of the ministry, but they love to hear from the Word of God. And they love to dig in deep into the Word of God. And it's very inspiring to watch them uh, sit in, during these lessons and taking notes and, and asking questions, and uh, it's, it's really encouraging. Uh, it was very cold at camp. I didn't bring the proper clothing. Uh, I only brought short sleeve shirts and shorts and I froze every night. In fact, it got so bad one night, I took one pair of shorts and wore them and then put another pair of shorts beneath them just to try to cover, yeah, my lower legs. And there was, so this is probably, my voice is probably a result of being at camp, but that's okay. I'll just show you a few pictures of the students uh, from all over, campuses all over the eastern uh, seaboard, uh, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey Ohio Kentucky and other places as well they come together see them there I love this picture with their Bibles open just talking about the Bible together we do some workshop type uh, things also Uh, another picture you can see just the diversity of the kids that were there but the only thing that wasn't diverse is that they were all young and I was old Um, which uh, wasn't quite fair but uh, it was great I love teaching young people and the young minds and it was just a blast, just a lot of fun together. Um, and so just a few more pictures for you. We also had them sharing sometimes from the workshops, they would share some of the things that they found uh, in the scriptures and some of the ideas that they had. Uh, here's a brother sharing and leaning into it. Always got appreciated when somebody leans into uh, their sharing. And uh, so yeah, he was really into it. And then we also have a, a, a mini golf tournament uh, while we're there. And here's Josh Farmer. Uh, Mini golf wasn't difficult enough for him, so he put extra obstacles in front of himself um, to try to make uh, mini golf even harder. And so it was a great time, we had a blast. And uh, honestly, one of the highlights of my year is going to that camp and being a part of that camp. I love it, we've done it for six years, we're planning on doing it again next year and even inviting more people and hope to have an even bigger, better camp uh, in the coming year. So if you want to, you can open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We will get there in just a moment. As I mentioned, our lesson today is talking about going from a dull habit to an acute fire. And this uh, idea of uh, the uh, the dull habit actually comes from a quote by William James. And I found it in Thomas Kelly's book, uh, A Testament of Devotion. And actually the steps that I'm going to be talking about is spiritual growth come from Thomas Kelly as well. And so we'll be learning some from this book, A Testament of Devotion, and I've added my own part to it as well. But uh, Kelly writes, and some, says William James, religion exists as a dull habit and others as an acute fire. Religion as a dull habit is not that for which Christ lived and died. Jesus doesn't want us just to have Christianity as a dull habit in our hearts. He wants us to have an acute fire in our hearts. There ought to be a fire in our bones, according to the Jeremiah, uh, for the word and the will of God in our hearts and in our lives. And if right now we're just sort of going through the motions of Christianity or going through the motions of following Jesus, that's not really what Jesus wants. He wants our hearts involved and he wants us to um, have um, zeal and enthusiasm So how do we get from that? If you find yourself right now, and that really was part one. Part one was evaluating, where are we? Do we have just a dull habit going on in our lives? Or do we have an acute fire? Are we somewhere in between? Probably somewhere in between. Well, how do we go from that starting point to getting to the point where now we actually have an acute fire going on in our lives for Jesus, for the cross, for the word of God, uh, for... um, the mission that is in front of all of us, how do we get more zeal and enthusiasm about that? And that's what this lesson, these four simple points are about, getting from point A to point B. And a good scripture that goes along with this is a scripture that actually I read last week and uh, just thought about it all week long. And coincidentally, Lee was reading the same passage and she came up to me today. One day and said, you know, know, I, I was reading this verse. And I said, that's interesting. I was reading that verse myself. And so we got talking about it and thinking about it. And it's just a fantastic passage to kind of keep in front of you about going from a dull habit to an acute fire. This is what Paul says. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He's going actually from garbage to knowing Christ Jesus. And that's what we're talking about is how do you get from point A to point B? How do you go from that? Having that mindset now, not being so caught up in the world that the world is everything, but actually looking at past life and looking at the world and saying, that's that's garbage. That's rubbish. I want to know Jesus and I want to be found in Christ. I want that acute fire in my life. How do we get there? He says, "Um, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. He's definitely wanting to go from point A to point B. To get to this place of the acute fire so that he knows Jesus. And he knows the power of his resurrection. He even knows his sufferings. And appreciates suffering with Jesus. That's When you are at that point, that's an acute fire. That's really understanding Jesus. And that's where Paul wants to go. And notice he says in verse 12, not that I have already attained all this. I've got work to do in my spiritual life. I still have to press on toward the acute fire. And so it's great that he's, you know, here's the great apostle Paul telling us that he's still growing in his spiritual life. And if he needed to grow, we all need to grow. So we'll talk about some practical points on how to do that. Or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus, Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, and it gives a great little practical right here. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. That's, that's part of, what, of one of these steps. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Fantastic verse from the Apostle Paul that I think it will keep this in front of us, it'll help us. It'll help us to put aside things that should, we should put in our past. It'll help us to focus on things that should be in our future, things we want to become. And that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. But I want to break this down into four steps. So here we go. The first step of the four, catch a glimpse of God. That's, the, that's where it begins. Catch a glimpse of God. Catch a glimpse of Jesus. Look at Jesus. Understand Jesus. See the Holy Spirit in your life. Think about the Spirit. Talk about the Spirit. Praise the Holy Spirit. But thinking about God, thinking about Jesus, thinking about the Holy Spirit, focusing on them, that's the place to begin. Too often in our lives, we focus on ourselves. We focus on our own problems, and it's natural to do that. We focus on our own problems, we focus on our own hurts, our own pain, our own bitterness, and that's, you have to get that out, but if that's your total focus, it's not helpful. Eventually you have to change from that, you have to turn from that, and you have to focus on God, and focus on Jesus, and focus on the Spirit. Kelly writes, the vision of an absolutely holy life I am convinced is the invading, urging, inviting, persuading work of the eternal one. If you really want to change, focus on the eternal one and let the eternal one in your life. And keep a focus on Jesus, on God, and on the Spirit. Kelly calls this holy obedience. Where you live your life and you're just... um, Trying to surrender to God every moment, which is incredibly difficult to do. But that's the goal. He also talks about this as being the, the, the inner life. The inner life that needs to come from the heart in which we worship and praise God. In Philippians 3, Paul says, verses 7 through 9, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I'll stop there. He says, I want to get the world behind me and the world out of my mind, and I want to know Christ. And that's where it begins. You have to get a glimpse of God. Get a glimpse of Jesus. See the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you'll focus on that, that'll really help you to change. But we have, that means we're, there are a number of things that are distractions for us in life. We're going to have to not focus on those distractions. And we'll have to spend more time focusing on God. Um, Paul knew where his focus needed to be. And I want to encourage all of us to find ways in which you can focus on God and focus on Jesus. One of my favorite stories in American literature was written by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote a short story called The Great Stone Face. It's about a town in New England in which a young boy goes out every afternoon and he sits below a rock that's um, basically the side of a mountain and nature has built into the side of the mountain a great stone face. And in that face, there's all the attributes of nobility, of honesty, of integrity, Of courage, And so he sits there every day, just goes out and just stares up and looks at the great stone face. And then he goes away for college. And he goes away and does some business. And he's gone from the village for a decade or more. And he comes back into the village, having been gone for a decade. And he's walking down the streets of his home village. And people are staring at him. People are gawking at him. People are taken aback by him. Some just uh, run away, and some just with their mouths wide open, just to just stare. And he's like, what is wrong here? Am, am, I, uh, am I dressed wrong? Have uh, rumors started about me? He doesn't know what's up, until he goes and does what he wanted to do to get when he first arrived in the village. He goes and he looks up at the great stone face. And as he looks up at the great stone face, what is staring back at him, Is his own image. He became the image of the great stone face. Because he focused on the image every day of his life. Because he focused on nobility. And integrity. And honesty. And courage. That's who he became. And the same will happen in our lives as well. If we focus on the right thing. And we should be focused on Jesus. And so, you know, this how to catch a glimpse of God. Look at Jesus. Get in the Gospels. Read the Gospels. I loved uh, Marty and Denise from the, reading from the crucifixion story today. We need to read that story over and over and over again. Um, and understand what Jesus did for us. Until we get to the point where we're willing to do the same for other people. Which is the real challenge. But there's, you know, as you read the Gospels, also think about what change do I need to make here? Because of the Gospels. But read, get in the Scriptures, read the the Gospels, read about God, read about the Holy Spirit, reflect on the Holy Spirit, reflect on great themes of the Bible, like the love of God. Be around other people who demonstrate to you and show to you the attributes of God and the attributes of Jesus. These are ways that you can catch a glimpse of God. And I encourage you, as I did when we talked in part one, is to take some time during the day, every day, to just stop and think Jesus. And I encourage you if you remember to stop at the beginning of each hour, to stop at the top of the hour, one o'clock, two o'clock, take a little pause and think Jesus right now. Just spend 30 seconds, just spend a minute just thinking about Jesus. And then when when you get that down, and all of a sudden it's 12 o'clock, it's one o'clock, it's two o'clock, I'm naturally thinking about Jesus, then add the half hour. So now at twelve and twelve thirty, think about Jesus, and then at twelve and one and one thirty, think about Jesus until that becomes a part of who you are. I'm just going to pause during the day, and I'm going to have my little breaks just to myself to think about Jesus for ten or fifteen minutes or seconds. Yeah, if you do ten or fifteen minutes, you probably will be fired from your job. Okay, <laughs> you might not want to take it that far, but just a little break. Nobody around you has to know. You just, you just taking in some breath, and you're thinking about Jesus. And then if you can get to the point of doing that every quarter hour, how great that will be. Until you get to the point that it's just natural for you to think about Jesus all day long, which is the ultimate goal. And that will get you from the dull habit to the acute fire, because you're catching a glimpse of God, the greatness, the power, the majesty of God. Let's keep our focus on Him. Point number two, start where you are. This is always a good point to make when we talk about change. Because the fact is is that you have to begin where you are. And you might think, well, I'm a total mess right now. That's okay. Start there. You might think, well, I've been doing pretty good. There's still things to change. So start there. But start where you are. Don't wait until you think I'm in the perfect situation. Now I can begin. You know, I, I'm wait till my kids get grown, then I'll begin. I'll wait till this boss is gone and I have a new boss and then I'll begin. No, you gotta start where you are because those conditions and situations in life, they might not change. You know, you have an empty nest and all of a sudden kids come back and it's no longer empty. Um, and you know, that happens all the time. And so don't think the situation around you is going to change. You have to start in the situation where you are. And and I would add to that, start small. Don't start too big and get overwhelmed. Start small. But start where you are. I love this quote from uh, the the tennis professional, the Hall of Famer, Arthur Ashe. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. And that's how to think about it. So that you're not going to go from zero to a hundred overnight. You're not going to go from dull habit to acute fire overnight. But you'll start where you are. You'll use what you have. And you'll do what you can. And you'll make progress. Little progress every day. Paul writes, not that I've already obtained all this. Or I've already arrived at my goal. Paul was realistic that I'm not where I I want to be. Ultimately, I want to be just like Jesus. And ultimately, I want to be with Jesus in heaven. And I'm not there, but you know what? With God's help, I will get there. Uh, so you got to start where you are and recognize what you need to change, and just start making little changes. Kelly says this: "Live this present moment, this present hour, as you now sit in your seats in utter submission and openness to Him." I love that. Live this present moment in utter submission and openness to Him. That's starting where you are and he says, just where you are in your seat right now, start there. Are you submitted to Jesus? Are you open to him? Do you want to change your life? Kelly adds, learn to say your will be done. That act of submission just during the day, Lord, I'm submitting to you. Your will be done. I add, start small. This is not Kelly's thought; it's My thought. But I think sometimes we, we get these large, lofty goals in front of us, and honestly they overwhelm us because they're too much. We're like, well, I'm gonna read through Matthew tonight. You know, and, and that's great. If you wanna do it, go for it. I would suggest read the Beatitudes tonight, Matthew 5, 1 through 13, and soak that in, and then move on a little bit from there, but start small. Uh, because if you take on too much, you will get overwhelmed. So start where you are and start small, with small decisions. Sometimes we forget that Saul of Tarsus, before he came the Apostle Paul, he he saw that vision of the Lord, but then he spent three years in the Arabian Desert. We just forget that because it's only mentioned once and then just a reference, a passing reference. And we think like, you know, Paul went from... um, Seeing Jesus to Damascus ministry, to the missionary ministry, he spent three years working on himself. He was out in the desert working on himself. Sometimes we look at the disciples and we we think, you know, look look at Simon becoming Peter, and how awesome that is, and went from point A to point B, but he had three years with Jesus himself. I mean, messing up, stumbling, falling on his face, saying the wrong thing. And sometimes we take that little phrase in the book of Acts saying um, unschooled and ordinary. And we're like, see, they weren't trained. They weren't schooled. But in actuality, they spent three years with Jesus in the greatest rabbinical school that you could ever have. And so they were Untrained and and ordinary in the sense that they didn't have the formal education, but they had a spiritual education That people failed to see and I think sometimes we don't appreciate that enough. We don't appreciate in our culture enough theological training and spiritual training and we expect people to get to point A to point B without thinking theologically and thinking spiritually and it's, It's just it's a recipe for disaster honestly, because you have to know some Bible. You have to know some thoughts on God. Which is what theology is. It's just thinking about God or studying God. And we have to, we have, to ha- have time in which we are receiving some good teaching. And some good classes. And that's important. And if we're not getting it, we can get it ourselves by reading. And by listening to lessons. And by pursuing it ourselves. But are we doing that? Start small. When I was studying Kung Fu, one of the things that would frustrate me is they would teach us something new in class, like a particular block, let's just say a block, like an upper block, they would teach us an upper block. And I wanted to have it by the time, I wanted to have it down cold by the time the class was over. You know, and so I would get so frustrated because I'd be, I'd have it here, and then my see my trainer would come and he would adjust it, and I'd be like, oh. And I'd do it again, and he would come, and he would adjust it another way. And I'd be like, oh, you know, and I wanted to have it down by the end of the class. And he, he looked at me, and said, Steve, why do you get so frustrated? I said, because I want I to know this. I want to have it now. And he, looked, he would look at me and I, kept, I can't tell you how many times he said this. He say, Steve, how do you eat an elephant? And eventually I learned the answer, one bite at a time. You can't swallow a whole elephant. And yeah, that's what I wanted to do in class. I wanted by the end of the class to have it down cold. But he would be like, to get something down and really learn it, you have to do it a thousand times. And there's no shortcut. And to master it, you need to do it 10,000 times. And there's no shortcut. Some of us were looking for shortcuts when we just need to start small, master the little things, and do those a thousand times until we learn them. And then 10,000 times, until we mastered them. Imagine if you did consistently read your Bible for the next thousand days. How much more Bible knowledge? How much more spiritual thinking? How much more of Jesus you would have in your life? Imagine if you did it for the next 10,000 days. And the same with prayer. And the same with fellowship. Start small. And then a thousand will come and 10,000 will come. Start small, start where you are, start small. Point number three. When you stumble, get back up again, again, get up and grow up. This is important because we're gonna, we're gonna stumble. You're going to set out. I'm going to read my Bible the next, the next thousand days. And you make it three. And you're like, oh man, I was going to read a thousand days and I only made it three. Well, you know what? Don't beat yourself up over that. Just start again. You stumble. You fall down. You get up. You start again. Paul said, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul made mistakes because he was human. We all make mistakes. There's no perfect Christian because there's no perfect human. And we're all going to blow it. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all the times going to say the wrong thing. We're going to have the wrong reaction at times. We're going to set a goal. and We're not going to meet that goal. And instead of beating yourself up over those things, start again to say, I'm going to, I'm going to start this over again. I'm going to start the goal over again. Paul wasn't perfect in his life. There were some things that he needed to forget. There were some things in his ministry that I'm sure he wished had gone better. I don't think he enjoyed his time in Athens because basically he didn't accomplish very much there, but he loved his next visit to the city of Corinth. He spent a year and a half there, but Paul didn't do everything um, without making mistakes. None of us will because there are no perfect Christians. The key to growth is when we stumble, start again. Get back up and start over. Kelly writes, if you slip and stumble and forget God for an hour and assert your old, proud self and rely upon your own clever wisdom, don't spend too much time in anguished regrets and self-accusations, but begin again where you are. I love that. Don't spend too much time in anguished regrets and self-accusations. And yet for some of us, that's the world that we live in. We are there every day, regretting what could have happened, what might have happened, what we should have done, accusing ourselves, blaming ourselves, instead of just saying, let's let the past be the past. Today is a new day. Let me begin anew and let me live this day fully for Christ without regrets, without self accusation, without self blame, without harmful thoughts. Let me just begin today new. And I know that's, that's easier said than done. I get that. I know some of you are real. you're, you're guilty souls. You know, some of it comes from the way you were brought up. You just have that, that guilt inside of you. But you've got to learn as Paul said, Forgetting what is behind. I gotta let go of that. And I need to press on toward what is ahead. And what's ahead? Jesus. Becoming more like him. If you live in the past, it'll drag you back into the past over and over. You gotta be able to talk it out, to pray it out, to get to the point where I'm gonna gonna let go of that. It's not helpful for me. I'm gonna let go of that. And I'm gonna live in the present And I'm gonna live looking forward to the future. And I'm not gonna get caught up in the past. So don't live with that regret, with that self blame. Learn to start over. In the Scouts, one of the things I learned, and I learned a lot of things in in the Scouts. Um, I'm an Eagle Scout, by the way, so got that going for me. But one of the things I learned in the Scouts was uh, because we were around campfires all, a lot. All, you know, every time we were out, we were around campfires, and so they would teach you if you happen to reach, if, you know, get caught on fire. If your shirt got caught on fire, if your pants got caught on fire, then the worst thing that you could do is just run, flailing them, your arms in the air. I'm on fire! I'm on fire! Help me! Help me! I'm on fire! That will just uh, Agitate the fire and cause it to burn bigger. And uh, you're flaming the fire. When you do that, what you got to learn is you got, and they've taught us this stop, drop, and roll. You got to stop where you are, you got to drop to the ground, and you got to roll on that spot and get the ground on that spot so it'll suffocate the flame. You stop, drop, and roll. I think sometimes in our Christian lives, when we do things that you know, we make that mistake that we didn't want to make. What happens is, is that we run around, oh no, I'm no good, and God doesn't love me anymore. And we just are fanning, fanning the flames in, in regret and in self-accusation. And what we need to do is stop, repent, and grow. Just stop, repent, and move on. So this is an important point, because I know this is where some of us are living right now, with our guilty souls. Talk it out, pray it out, get someone to help you, and learn to let the past be the past. And then point number three, relax and trust God. Relax and trust God. When you get a glimpse of Jesus and when you start where you are and then you learn to, you know, if you make a mistake, get back up and go again, then you find yourself in a pretty good place. And when you're in that pretty good place with Jesus, just relax. Enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. Trust God. Paul writes, i press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's where he was going. And ultimately later in his life, he says, he was able to say, Paul was able to get to the point where he was able to say, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And this goal that he's talking about here, it's right. I can see it now. And I'm happy about that. He relaxed and got to the point where he would just was just living in God. And that's where I want to be. There are times where I've experienced that, that sweet spot where you know that you're just you're just living with Jesus. It's a beautiful place to be. It doesn't it comes and goes. You know, because something stresses you out or something comes and uh, knocks you down again. But when you're there, enjoy that spot. And do your best to live in that spot. And figure out how you're living in that spot. And relax. And trust God. This might be the first sermon you've ever heard where the preacher has said, relax. Relax. But that's a good word. We need to get to that place in our lives. You know, Jesus was able to take a nap in the back of a boat. I go to that scripture almost every afternoon and uh, take a nap in the back of my boat. But Jesus knew how to relax. Even though he was on a mission, he still knew how to relax. And Paul gets to the point in his life where he's able to relax. And I don't think there's a whole big difference between relax, relaxing and trusting. I think relax and trust God are very closely connected because when you surrender to God and you really give it to him then you start to live in that sweet spot of surrender and you relax knowing that God is going to take care of whatever comes your way and he will fight for you and you don't have to be so anxious you don't have to you know white knuckle it and oh I got to I got to have this on course you just learn to let go a little bit and let God take over. That's a beautiful, beautiful place to be. And if you're not there, that's okay. I'm not there every day either. But what I do is, when I know I'm not there, I go back to steps one, two, and three, and I try to get another glimpse of God, try to start where I am, and when I stumble, I get back up, and I look for that sweet spot. I look for that place where I'm really, really trusting God. You know, it's like learning to float. I don't know. How many of you can just float on water? But when you learn how to float, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Because there's no strain, just letting the the, the buoyancy of the water hold you up. But to get there is tough. I I taught um, underprivileged children when I was younger, when I was in the Scouts actually, I taught underprivileged children how to swim. Most of them had never even been in a swimming pool. And so the first thing to teach them was just get used to the water. And so try to teach them just to hold your breath and, and put your head in. And boy, that was hard for some kids because they never had their head completely underwater. Um, but you work with them for a while until they get used to the water, until they're able to do that. And then you teach them some strokes and that sort of thing. And then the, the last thing, and this is, you know, when you get, when they got to this point, it was a beautiful thing to see them stretch their arms out, hold their palms up, lean their head back and breathe and just float and you watch all these little children floating on the water who came in scared of the water, and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. And that's what God wants us to do. That's trust. Trust is putting your arms out, putting your palms up, leaning back, and just letting God take over. Letting God control your life. That takes the ability of surrender. You just have to surrender to God. So I encourage you. Stretch out your arms. Put your palms up. Lean back and breathe. And relax. Live in that sweet spot. That Jesus has given you. Know where God wants you to be. And walk in that space. (coughs) Feel the Holy Spirit in your life. And walk with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Listen for his voice. This is the sweet spot of the holy life. This is the sweet spot of holy obedience. This is the sweet spot of life in the center. It's practicing the presence of Jesus every day. And if you're not there, it's okay. Go back to points one, two, and three and learn to get there. A song that I learned when I was a little kid and I love this song. It's just simply trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Amen.